October 7, 2020. It's a lot for Pedro show.
Live for Pedro Show. Happy Wednesday. Uh, Brother Matt at the Love Grotto. Pleasure Point, a couple miles south here because we're still in quite Quarantino mode. But through the miracles of those software engineers in Estonia with their Skype invention, I got Ryan from Ryan and Pony with me. Pony's going to show up soon. But right now, it's Man Alone with Man Alone here in Pedro. Welcome aboard, Ryan. Hey, thanks. Great to be here. And I saw Pony's car just pull up, so she'll be here in minutes. Okay, so started the show off with John Coltrane doing mate and call. Then Ryan and Pony would be still, my baby. And I guess since you're there now, Ryan, you go first. Uh, What's your earliest musical recollection, please? My earliest musical recollection would be sifting through my dad's record collection. So he didn't have a huge stash of records, but he did have albums from Bob Dylan, uh, the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, uh, the Kinks, the Beach Boys, and then a large amount of folk music as well. Um, He was into everybody from Leo Kotke to Buffy Marie Sinclair um, and That was my introduction to music because um, that was the first thing that I was exposed to. So just kind of crawling around, looking at records, looking at the the photos on it, looking at the artwork. So this is your pad. Now, where was this? What's that? Oh, it would be at my parents' house, like, growing up. This is, like, as, I guess, as early as I can remember. Yeah, no, I understand that. But where is the pad? Ah, Okay, so it would have been uh, in Minnesota, um, and uh, my parents lived in the east side of St. Paul, and also later moved to Montem. Okay, in that pad, in, in that pad you grew up in, was there just were they listeners, or was there some uh, instruments? So my dad actually played guitar. He came from a super musical family, and my mom uh, keyboard and piano and sang, but. Again, as like a hobby, she was just kind of a casual musician. But both of them came from highly musical families. So there was Uh, musical instruments in the pad you grew up in. There was uh, my dad had a guitar. Yeah, it was questionable. Like it was hard to play, but it was a guitar and there was a piano. There's always a piano. Well, did you jump on either or or both? Yeah, both. Yeah, I started playing piano um, and my aunt was actually a piano teacher and she taught me how to play some things. And uh, as far as guitar goes, I pretty much just picked it up and fumbled around on it for a while, you know, just moving one finger around until I figured out certain sounds and things. But um, but in the earliest stages of, of exploring music, that's what it was. Yeah, it was basically just... What about school? Were you in the choir, the marching band, or shit like that? Yeah, uh, not... Well, let's see, I guess I was in, like, probably, like, choir in like junior high maybe uh i don't know what grade it was not not once you could select what you were in it's not that i didn't like choir it just wasn't my thing but i did start in the school band program and that was like a huge turning point for me because i played trombone you know it doesn't seem like the most glamorous thing but oh bullshit bone is fucking bass clef it's bass clef you see like yeah and totally. I heard from my so the, friends, my friends told me in the marching band, it's a little bit easier because of the big mouthpiece. 
Yeah, it is. It's probably easier than like I also played tuba later. Um, so I was in the low brass thing and the rush I got from playing was just absolutely incredible. Like I couldn't believe that we were making the sounds we were making. I was just grinning ear to ear. It was just like I couldn't believe it because um, that was the most real thing I'd ever done making music with other people. And it just blew my mind. So that that was a game changer at that point. I knew exactly what I was going to be doing for the rest so of my you life. Learned, you learned how to read bass, Clef. Yeah. Okay, what I'm talking about is when you're marching in those big wool suits and stuff. Oh, yeah. And it's bouncing, right? So if you got a bigger mouth, I heard the French horn and trumpet. It's a lot tougher because the little mouthpiece to make the ambushu. Right, yeah, right. Okay, that's why I said that. And the neat thing, of, of, too, about the bone is uh, microtones, like a, a stand-up bass. Oh, yeah, right. Gl glissandro, I think. Yeah, yeah, because you can move that slide and your embouchure can change it just a little bit so you can go just slightly sharp, slightly flat. Yeah, 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 right. There's no frets, right? No, like no yeah. That's why Leo called his 1951 bass guitar invention a precision because it had frets. Oh, that makes sense. I did not know that. That's cool. Well, that's why I wanted you on the show so I could enlighten you to that, Ryan. Yeah. Ryan, what was the first record you bought with your own money? I bought two albums with my own money. They were um, Prince, the Batman soundtrack, and Warehouse Songs and Stories by Husker Du. Yeah, um, Both Minneapolis artists. And, you know, at the time, like, Batman and Prince were, like, the coolest things, you know, to me. So you know about this album, record called was, Land Speed Record? Oh, uh, what's that? Land Speed Record. Yeah, Land Speed Record. That's an amazing album. I've got that. Uh, me, now I've got a, I've Me and got D. A, Boone put that out. We put out the first Who's oh, Do album. I forgot about it. I didn't know that. 1981. That's, that's, what was the first yeah. gig you went to, Ryan? The first gig? Like, for sure. Um... First one I remember buying tickets for would have been. Uh, um, you don't have been, to buy tickets. I just want to know, like the first time you saw live music. I saw I saw Sugar live um, Bob at Mold. first step. Yeah, Bob Mold. Um, I also saw Midnight Oil around that same time, and I can't remember which one was first, but it was one of those. How do you pronounce so the, this, Ryan? Malus Maddox. Melismatics. Melismatics. Okay, I want to yeah. play uh, Can't Relate. They say it makes no sense to me I don't get the way 
too late. In great pleated heavenly sheets draped from fixed stars, leaving tear-stained party coils streaming to their last cars, drunk in spirit and some on twilight's twisted cane of fate.
communication. Complete communication for home, business, and community.
the fucking email. Ready for the universe, we Ready. 
She only tried to tell Time for the moment See the world Like your opponent All the stress Be out Where if you loan them Take them like a soul Keep up Ain't a boat And that's what you post Learn where you loan it
show, Why for Pedro show, Can't Relate, by the Melismatics. Wild Rats after that with Hot Shot, that's me and Thirst and Steve Shelley along with, uh, of course, Ron Ashton doing a film. Well, it was a bunch of tunes while we were doing a session for, what was it called, Velvet Goldmine, 1997. Uh, Charlie Plymel after that with Pythagoras said, a poem, Charlie from Cherry Valley, New York. Uh, Deerhoof, brand new stuff. Love Lord, number two. Whack Whack Kingdom, that's Shige in Berlin. Brother Shige with Don't Be a Zombie. And Wag Platy, Uzukuma Rumono. <laughs> Uzukuma Rumono, yeah, sorry for fucked up pronunciation. We are the asteroid out of Austin with email uh, from their latest. Model Home out of D.C., two right. That's T-U-U. Venus DeMilo. Okay. This is television when they still had Dick Hell in the band. 1974 making a, a, a demo for uh, Brian Eno. Uh, Aloha Screwdriver. They were on the show last month. Downhill Park, I think, from Oaktown. The Hawk from Iowa City. Right? Jay Who lives there? Uh, Dan. Got that drummer man that we used to play with the Run Westies. You know something about the Round Westies, the three brothers. Uh, oh, yeah. And then finally, Orion and Pony with Thunder Love. As I don't know by the hawk. Okay, uh, so Pony's there. She uh, she, she wants to jump in with the, her journey through music? Yeah, she does. Sure. Well, you know the drill, Ryan. Tell her. Ask her. What's well, the earliest <laughs> musical recollection? What was your first... Yeah, what what was your first introduction in music? Uh, or, your, or, or your earliest memory of music? My dad always listened to music all the time. Like, the radio was on 24-7. Um, and then uh, I always wanted guitar. My older, I have an older half-brother. He's 10 years older. He had a guitar around, and I always was obsessed with it. Um, he never, ever played it, though. Um, and he would never let me touch it. And then uh, some neighborhood friends were taking piano lessons, so they'd show me anything that they learned. And I remember, like, one of the first songs was, like, the Young and the Restless, like, theme song. Young and, and the Restless, it, what's that, like, soap opera? Yeah, it's a soap opera. Where was this, Pony? Where uh, where was this? Was this Minneapolis too, or St. Paul? It was Plymouth. And where's Plymouth? kind of close like, Plymouth is like a western suburb in the Twin Cities. Okay. And it's like 15 minutes from Minneapolis, 15, 20. And in the house, um, you're saying the only musical instrument was a guitar that no one played. No one played. My brother actually ended up like selling it. But then my dad got me my first guitar when ah, I was 12. When you were 12. So well, what about before dad, that in, uh, grade, other, in grade school? Were you in the choir? Were you in the marching band? I was in choir, I played the violin for a short period of time, and then I played the flute for a short period of time. And that was because parents didn't want to, we had to rent the instruments, it was expensive. Yeah. They're they're deaf, they didn't have like high earning jobs, it's kind of an anomaly that we ended up over in Plymouth. But, yeah. What was the first record you bought with your own money? Um, it's so weird, but I bought it because of the cover. It was this uh, like I dropped band- out. I didn't hear you. 
Go ahead. Oh, it, it was called this. It was it was really weird. Like I bought this tape from like a holiday grocery store when they had that section, and it. I bought this tape of this band called Shock Paris, which was like this metal band, and I don't know. I thought it was like the coolest thing ever, and then that was the first like actual album that I bought. And what was the first gig you went and saw? I saw the Steve Miller band in the mid nineties. Right. Take the money and run. Take the money and run. Dallas. Yeah. I think he started off as a bass man for Boss Gags. Uh, <laughs> um, back to Ryan. Ryan, did you do the thing like after school with your buddies, uh, the garage band, a basement band, uh, bedroom band? Yeah. I started, I mean, I started that even in high school. Yeah, know, that's doing what I'm the talking garage. about, like after school. after oh, uh, at, yeah. In the afternoon, you know, when school lets out, not after you went to school. <laughs> right. Got it. Yeah, I was totally doing that. Uh, garage bands. We were playing the local venues, like Seventh Street Inch. Where did you practice? We practiced at different. Like we would, we'd move it around to whoever's parents' house would let us practice without getting in trouble in some way or another. So sure. it, would, it would move around from band member band member. Um, and you got a guitar and, and an amplifier by this time, right? Yeah, yeah. It was probably the drummer's pad because they don't want to fa fucking have to move all the time. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Except it usually was, but like his drum, like he, my parents had his drum set in the basement for a while because I forget what happened exactly, but I know we got into trouble with yeah, you know, police would get called just because like we're loud and yeah, yeah, complain. So we moved it there, and I know we moved to different. Uh, we went to our bass player's house for a while too. So it kind of moved around basically whoever could tolerate it as long as, they, <laughs> you know, now did you guys just practice or did you end up doing some gigs? We did gigs. Yeah. What, what um, was, what was the first gig like? Well, I remember doing like our first gigs were doing the new band nights in the twin city. So we played the seventh street entry new band night. And I remember, um, the Batson brothers. I don't know if you know the, um, Oh man, I'm blanking on the name of their band. Pony, what was it? Uh, the, well, it was the Conquerors, but they had the other, uh, the Batson Brothers. What was their band? Well, anyway, they're from a local band here, punk band that you probably have heard of, like their era of Husker Du. But those guys kind of ran the um, the uh, new band night. And uh, when you're underage, they kind of just like kick you out right after you're done. So it's like you couldn't hang out, really couldn't watch other bands once you were done. It was fun though, because it was such a, you know, storied venue like from the Twin Cities, so it was cool. But and then also, another show. We but played, also, some... is it, you're saying this was your first gig, or it's one of your first gigs? That was one of our first gigs. We might have done. Uh, there was another local, like all, there are a couple of all ages venues that um, that aren't around anymore that we used to play. Um, and I don't remember which one came first, but now, that was. Uh, now, did you play your own songs, or were you copying off records? We were mostly playing our own music. We would do some covers sometimes, but mostly our own stuff. Were you part of the songwriting team? Yeah. I, that was like always an important thing to me from the get-go of like picking up an instrument. That's kind of why. Oh, Ryan, can you remember the first song you wrote? Uh, yes, I can. I mean, I remember. I re have a vague recollection of the first song I ever wrote. Well, why don't you tell me? 
really bad. It's really bad. <laughs> you want to know a bad one, you should hear the first one I wrote. <laughs> in fact, uh, get this, because I'm from the, you know, I'm 13 in 1970, so I'm a 70s. And no one in San Pedro wrote their own songs. Okay. I ended up writing one. It was called yeah. Mr. Bass, King of Outer Space. And it was about doing a bass solo and blowing the rest of the band off the stage. <laughs> I like that. That sounds like a good... <laughs> well, obviously, bass player had some issues. <laughs> Remember, this is the early 70s and shit. But I, only one fucking song. And in fact, I never told anybody for years because I was so embarrassed. Tell me about yours. Oh, you got mine beat. Mine's lame. It's called, I think it's called Out on My Own. And it was just like, um, i trying to think what it sounded like. I don't know. Um, I don't have a guitar that I could play it for you probably, but I don't think you'd want that kind of torture. Um, it's just like uh, D, C, and G, and D, and it's like... Well, were you trying sing- to tell a story, or were you trying to make an anthem? I mean, what was going I on? Was try- I was trying to tell a story and make an anthem at the same time. Oh, okay. It was a failed anthem. It Wait, was like look, you gotta start somewhere. Do you just jump yeah, on the do you right. just jump on the skateboard and start doing Ollies? Yeah, right. Right? What about you, Pony? Did you get into the after school, you know, doing a band in the garage in a basement? Yeah. Yes, I did. I met some kids at a, I was at I went to Wyzetta High School and I met these kids at Minnetonka High School and they were like these goth punk kids and I fit in really well with them. And I played in a, in their basement and i just started playing bass oh um, you were a bass player huh you didn't tell I, me about that in the called hermaphrodite whore okay so what um, was your what was your i'm curious what's your first bass my first bass was this, like red ibanez it was t- it was cheap i mean i got the amp and the bass for like 350 and what bucks was, what was the amp it was crate Okay, yeah, the Econo Fender, like 115 or something? Yeah, it was 115. Okay, easier to carry. So what was, and you were in a band, in a goth band, what were they called? Whore? Hermaphrodite whore. Hermaphrodite. You guys are teenagers, (laughs) right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, And what was your, uh, well, let me ask you about the material. Were you writing original stuff or, or copying off records? Uh, we were writing original tunes. They wow. sounded. See, that's what I love about people after the movement. You know, there was no more of the shit where you just copied off fucking records. Yeah. You can't believe what it was like before the movement. And that's what. I mean, the best guy in Pedro was the guy who could play Black Dog the best. It wasn't about using music as expression. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It was fucked up times. You got to understand, the movement wasn't about a beats per minute or a haircut or even funny names. It was about just trying to let your freak flag fly. Yeah. Okay. So what was, uh, so were you part of the songwriting team in your band? Yeah, I usually always, in every band I've ever been, it's always been like I wrote a song (laughs) or two. I got my like one or two. You're like the George Harrison, he gets one song a record. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. I heard that's really why the Beatles broke up. Nothing to do with Yoko. <laughs> yeah, nothing, I think it's in the Martin Scorsese film on George. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, because rumors about the evil woman destroying the rock band, right? I think mm-hmm. that was bullshit. It was boys destroying their own band. <laughs> We're at the end of the first hour. 
October 7, 2020 edition of Watt for Pedro Show. Special guests, Ryan and Pony. Hold tight for hour two. October 7, 2020, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
Mm-hmm. 
Off for Pedro Show. We start off the second hour with Ryan and Pony doing fast as I can. Then Sam Bennett out of Tokyo with Junkie Heaven. Flying Vipers from their brand new record, Gesho. Reggae, some bass there. Bass comes first and that stuff. Guided by Voices, the very second. Uh, Much respect, Bob Pollard. Have a nice life, Guggenheim Wax Museum. Trippy tune. Bullets out of bu- bullets or balloons out of Spokane with Maroon Six. Maybe it's about a band, huh? Or a movie. <laughs> and Ryan and Pony with Start Making Sense, which is not the Talking Heads movie. <laughs> it's not. It's kind of the antithesis. So yeah. when we were off air, people, Ryan was enlightening me the fact that. Twin Cities had all kinds of bands going. In fact, some of his teachers were blown away by all the activity. And I, I, they were probably around my age. And, and people from my time, it is a trip how nowadays everybody can, is using music as a way to express themselves. All kinds of expression, but not as afraid. And also to try and make your own and not just copy off records. And so, so how did Ryan Pony... I mean, I'm I'm kind of jumping. I know you, you you ended up doing a bunch of stuff for, but I want to talk about your prods here because, uh, I mean, yeah. you, you had your first bands, both you and Pony, and then somehow you met in a minivan. We did. We met in a minivan. We were so we were on tour with our mutual friend Mark Malman. He's a Minneapolis songwriter, singer, piano player, indie rock guy. We were Pony was playing bass. I was playing guitar on this tour, and Peter Anderson, who played drums in uh, he's the drummer of Run Westy Run. You brought up the Westies. Um, he was in that tour van well, too. Well, one of the and, drummers, the drummer I'm talking about, was another man. Oh, are you talking? Yeah, you're probably talking about um, blanking on his name, but I know him. Me uh, too. It's really ridiculous. Yeah, he, I did. I yeah. took them on two uh, tours. Awesome, he's great. Uh, cannot think of his name, but. Um, yeah, so this is, this is the, the current drummer of Run, Rusty Run. Um, he was in that same tour van, and here we are, ironically, years later, all playing together. He was the drummer on the Ryan and Pony album. Did but, you, uh, do you know they had a tour boat that was a fucking ambulance? Uh, yeah. And, well, and, yeah. and they found a fucking, mo- on the border, there was, they uh, went through a little checkpoint, and they found a motocid. And they impounded and took that, left them stranded. Oh, wow. Yeah, is that bullshit? Good old days, huh? Right. Yeah. Yeah, they have kind of a notorious tour van now. I actually just saw one of them driving it down the road a couple of weeks ago. It's like, it's unmistakable. But, um, yeah, that's crazy. That well, for one thing, you guys' weather is pretty harsh on tour vans. Yeah. <laughs> because you salt the roads to make them safe and it, yeah, it eats up the metal. Yeah, it up the... Yeah, Russ. So you back. know what you're saying is you were part of you were side man. We were well, we were both side men. At that time I had side a side people we should the, say. called the Melismatics. So we were kinda in Minneapolis everybody's in twenty bands. Like that's just how it is here. Yeah, so now cool. is it like there's a lot of people making music, but there's a lot of people collaborating in, in multiple projects. So Ta- taking so, turns. Sometimes you're taking yeah. directions, sometimes you're giving directions. I think exactly. that's I think that's really healthy, Ryan. 
Yeah, I think it is too. I think it was, you know, and so we were both sidemen for a friend. And so, uh, here, we here, here's both... here. Let me give you an example. You can't learn everything being the boss. And then if you're always a sideman, you get this sidemanitis, right? A bunch of frustration. Yeah. So I think it's healthy to take. Yeah. You're right on. Cause... Yeah. Yeah, totally. For sure. So we both had our own band. She had a band called the Hundred Flowers. I had the Mellows. Hundred Flowers. You know that was the journal's name here. We had a punk band from the seventies in, in a Hollywood scene. And they were called yeah. the Urinals, and they changed their name to a Hundred Flowers because yeah, they thought we they could get more gigs. <laughs> they didn't, so they're called Urinals again. <laughs> I like Urinals better. <laughs> they they told me they got the Hundred Flower name from because they were big. Uh, urinals were huge influence on Minuteman. And they said they got it from a Mao Zedong book. Yes, yeah, that's exactly why. The lead singer named the band The Hundred Flowers was because of the Mao Zedong book. And we ran into issues like, oh, there's already another band that was named that. And we kept trying to change the name, kept trying to figure something out. The album cover has A Hundred Flowers, I think. I think it does, yeah. <laughs> and in fact, Amphetamine Reptile, which is near you guys, right? They, right. They, they, they've released some urinals and Hundred Flowers stuff. So 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 back to your thing. You're both working for this guy, and you're touring yeah. together. And then uh, the band that I was in, the Melismatics, we were looking for a new guitar player um, very abruptly. And Pony came up as, as a suggestion, and she joined our band, the Melismatics. And she started off in that band basically as like filling the shoes of you know, previous guitar player. So she was learning his parts, singing his background vocals and whatnot. And then uh, when we were making our first album with her, which would have been our, uh, let's see, that would have been one, two, three, I think our fourth album. Then the producer making the album thought what he, he saw Pony as an asset that we weren't fully utilizing yet. And he kind of saw it as like the band X, like where you should have, the two, like the male, female vocals going simultaneously. So then he started putting Pony on the spot in the studio, encouraging her to sing parts that, you know, that I, maybe I would have sang before. Um, and then she started singing and we started working on trading off vocals, singing in unison. And that was really the start of us working together in that uh, way. Oh, you're talking of, X, John Doe and Xene. Yeah, exactly. Because there's a band out of Holland called the X, but it's spelled E X. Oh yeah, no, I'm talking John Doe. Yeah, yeah. both are good bands. Oh yeah, I have to check out the other X. I, I'm not familiar with them. Yeah, they're kind of like a Minuteman kind of band out of Amsterdam, from uh, from old days. I think eighty uh, or seventy nine or something. Yeah, X two is very you know early in the Hollywood scene. Uh, that that's interesting. So it was an X angle. It was, and it was like some an outsider, you know, as our producer at the on that on that album, seeing that in what we were doing, that that was what we should try, and uh, we thought it worked, like we really liked it. So that's kind of the start of Pony and I uh, co-leading, co-singing together, and then we made a few more albums. At the what Mel was his name? I'm, I'm curious. The producer. He just was like. He no, said what was his name? Like, Oh, his name, John Fields. Okay. So you got to give this guy some credit. Then. Oh, yeah. I, I, we still work with him. He mixed Moshi Moshi, the Ryan and Tony album, 
Um, he's, I, I work with him all the time. He's amazing. He's phenomenal. I mean, he's, we owe him tons of, uh, gratitude, you know, for everything. So yeah, no doubt. You know, uh, but this was, me, me, uh, Melis Maddox, right? Yeah. Uh, I want to play, uh, close to the vest here, but, but I'm curious, where'd that name come from? So the name of that band came from literally, we had the first band of that, sh that, the first gig for that band booked before we had a name. And there's a paper here called the city pages. It's like one of our, our local sure, weekly sure. rag. And, uh, they have to list like the band names and the clubs. And I had, we, we booked the show and didn't have a name yet. And then I got a call this day, like saying, you know, this is, this is it. You gotta, you gotta give us your name. And I was in school at the time and there was a vocab test. And I was like, well, I'm just going to like pick a vocab word and use that. And then I'll change the name to something better when I think of something else. And so I put my pencil down on this word melismatic, which means in music, it's a melisma is a run of notes yeah. that you sing the same lyrical syllable. So it's like this music term. And uh, it had nothing to do with anything other than a random, you know, well, random. It had some music. Yeah, it had a musical reference, yeah. and ironically, like we later found out, we were doing melismas all the time. Because if you ever go like whoa or whatever, it's not literal words, but it's it's like good, uh, scat singing. Yeah, here I want to play that. Okay.
very much. That song was for uh, Mr. Jim Jones.
Show uh, close to the vest from the Mellis Maddox. Respect the road from Bombas Prendon, uh, DC from the early 80s. A punk as a doornail roof rack. Uh, Tollum with the assorted American flavors. Home and Garden, King John, live uh, Cleveland. Tony and uh, Scott from Peru. Now out of England with Smear Test. Finally, Puzzle Missing Pieces. The Mellis Maddox featuring John Auer. Yeah. How'd that happen? Well, shit, we're at the end of the second hour. You have to tell me. <laughs> People, October 7, 2020 edition of Watt Pedro Show, special guest Ryan and Poe, hold tight for hour three. October 7, 2020, it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro Show. Come 
Till I last.
collector for you and your nonsense digital world where you can't fix a broken tape because you ain't got no power core. Well, I'll tell you, 30 years ago, my anger would drive this motherfucking truck down this hill. Yeah. In New Mexico, where you got two Route 66s that intersect, cause some stupid ass politician had an axe to grind with a former tape collector. Yeah, that's what it's all about. Take them precious jewels and blow them out and then you sell everything and build a bunch of suburbia. I thought that was a punk movie that I might have been in with social distortion. But what do I know? Well, I'll tell you this. I know for a fact. No more. Oh, I 
gonna be Ain't gonna be Gonna be okay, collected no more. No, I ain't gonna be okay, collected no more. Yeah, no, I ain't gonna be okay, collected no more. And if you try that again, you'll be heading out the door That's why I ain't gonna be a tape collector no more Ain't gonna be no
for Pedro Show. Start the third hour off with Come Find Me by Ryan and Pony. Uh, Crane with Stylin', Not Your Tape Collector No More from the last Reptilian Brothers. Pops on there. Lewis Cole after that, Last Time You Went Away. And Starry Eyes, Ryan and Pony. You know, I saw this title. You know, you can't copyright a title. I know. Do you know of the other Starry Eyes? Yeah, there's a pop song, Starry Eyes, yes. Rocky Erickson. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. And he does a duet. There's several versions of it. It's a great song. So when I played it, I thought, did these guys cover that? Nope. Just same no. title. Yeah, that's okay. It's a, you guys got your own version. It's a good version, too. So so look, I want to explain John Hour from the Puzzle Missing Pieces. Yeah. So John Hour is like many people might know uh, him from the Posies and also the second incarnation of Big Star. Um, he produced that album that that's from and he guested on a couple of the tracks okay. too. Who's and the he's guy been who's kind always of, playing from that band? Ken Stringfellow. He's always out yeah, on the road. Yeah. Great, yeah, great, great musicians. I think they're Northwest guys. Yep. They're from Seattle yeah. right, originally. Now I think they're all over the, they're like in different countries now. Every, actually, every but cat in that band can play like a motherfucker. I mean, they're, they're yeah. great. They're great. I, the, one of them, I think maybe Mr. Stringfellow helps out the REM guys. So, he did, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, okay, this record here, uh, you know it's what kind of time it is, right? Not, it's no, no tour time. It is. So, are you getting ready to re- uh, write another album in the meantime? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, everybody's working on the plan B right now, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, we, I mean, we're always working on stuff. I mean, I, there's, like, even from the album that came out, Moshi Moshi, I had 75 songs that I was working on for Jesus. that album. Yeah, yeah. And then this small number actually makes it on. And then I think when quarantine kind of started here in Minneapolis, like, in St. Paul, I, I had, for a while, things got really busy again. So I don't have a lot of free time anymore. But when I did have this little transitional period where I was home more and things had slowed down, I was uh, writing a bunch of other songs. So I had a whole, like, quarantine batch of songs. So, so I mean, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, no tour time. It's, like, it's so weird and it's sad, you know, but you got to reinvent and you got to figure out how to yeah, how to make way in the, in the modern age. Get creative. And, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, are the... Are there a lot of things expected of you guys? Do you feel the, that kind of pressure, kind of weight? Yeah, yes, uh, we do. There's a lot, you know, like just, uh, yes, I mean, I don't know how to answer it other than a, a, a definite yes. There, it, you feel pressure, like you got to, because the old model is is down for the count and people are trying to figure out how to make things work and you work with a bunch of other people and everybody is kind of reliant on each other and it just makes a weird dynamic. I mean, you, you know, like I said, you know, like you were saying, it's creativity. Like you got to. Well, you have yeah. To, I mean, the creativity I'm way into. But what about this word? H-Y-P-E. Hype. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even want to say it because it, it, it's hard to deal with. Right. It's jive. Yeah. And, and, and has the Ryan Pony, you guys, I know the sitch. OK, but what about that? That stuff about the hype? Yeah. Um, well, I feel like we just try to try to focus on. Yeah, of Things course. I know. Perfect. I know you don't want to like be stomped down by it, but you do. You do. You, you're aware of it because that it seemed like that was more from the days of the big record label. But there is still that kind of thing. Well, now, I think it nowadays they want you different. to bring in a lot of people at the gigs, but there's no gigs, so that doesn't matter anymore. 
Yeah, it's just a different kind of thing. I think it's like, you know, you do... Uh, Here, here's a band. I can give you an example from Twin City. Shakespeare... Uh, Trip Shakespeare? Yeah, it seemed like a lot of weight was put on them, pressure. Yeah. I had one of the guys on the thing, you know, it's many years later, and super creative cat. And, you know, that stuff is such a momentary thing, right? And here it can, like, uh, deform and, and twist up and make stupid shit, right? Oh, yeah, totally, totally. I think I know I, I know what you're getting at. I, I I think I understand what you're getting at. And and we've tried to not uh, worry about the hype or worry about trying to conform. There are times in the past where I feel we did feel that, and and I never feel like it results in anything good at all. Yeah. So is it so? You know, after making so many albums and being in so many different bands, one thing that I think is so true is like all you can really do is try to do things that you think are good and you are happy with and don't like try to please anybody because ultimately it's the work suffers all you do is like compromise people and less chefs in the kitchen with this project you know so it's easier for us to make we want to do before it's like just tons of opinions coming at you for all the angles and you're just like you know yeah like leave me alone give me a break yeah yeah yeah. it's just frustrating that's one Um, good thing about remember when you guys were younger and you had your little bands no pressure right you let the freak flag fly yeah Yeah. and what you you graduate to this other world with all the bullshit reigns supreme (laughs) yeah right you you earn that privilege yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, and it, totally. It's ridiculous. Like, so I think that was one reason why in this album I really wanted to produce it too because I just didn't want to. Um, we've only worked with great producers, so like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not like like John, who we were just talking about, phenomenal and really good insight. But the and and John Hour, I mean, phenomenal. Ed Ackerson, uh, the late Ed Ackerson, another phenomenal musician producer. We've only been really lucky in that department, but. Um, I just like the the less amount of pressure, the less amount of, um, as Pony said, cooks in the kitchen. It's like just kind of wanted to represent what we were doing at the moment and not have it be really like influenced too much in any other way. So in a way, it felt like making an album back in high school, you know? Yeah. You know, you gave me a song to play from uh, Dave uh, Perner. Yeah. Okay, let's play that.
Live from Pedro Show, last music for this edition. I told you from Soul Asylum, and that's where you're taking direction. That Dave Perner shot caller, good guy. Uh, Heaven Channel Season 2, Album 6, Part 2 from Galaxy. These uh, cats, uh, Raquel and Jared out in the Joshua Tree. 18 albums they made during this lockdown. <laughs> so they ain't sitting on their hands. <laughs> yeah. And then finally, Cinematic, Ryan and Pony. Sometimes writing songs is kind of cinematic, huh? It's like making your own little movies. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's trippy that way. Maybe it's even closer than writing a book. Because, yeah. Because, you know, the image kind of trip, you know. And, uh, so where can people find you on the Internet? Well, you can go to ryanandpony.com. That's got a link to pretty much everything from yeah, there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So so let's spell it for people. R Y A N A N D P O N Y dot com. You got it. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, all the other telephone poles to hang your flyers on, but you got your own fanzine, huh? You got your own website. I thought that would be the future. Everyone would have their own fanzine. They wouldn't yeah. hang out at all these corporate things, but I guess I was wrong. But you guys you're staying faithful to those ethics. Because there's no 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 filter, right? If you want to put something on your site. It's your site. Yeah. yeah. You don't have right. to worry. Let that freak flag fly. And uh, uh, how, how long did it take to make the record? Well, you know, it depends on how you look at it. Because I joined Soul Asylum in 2016. And in 2014, the Melismatics put our last album as that band, which the band's not broken up. But we took a hiatus because we had been on tour nonstop for like a decade. And we were just getting really, really burnt out. So we took a break and we still wanted to make music. And there, the, a lot of these songs have been recorded at that point. So this goes back to probably, I'd say 2015, okay. 2016. And then when I joined Soul Asylum, I was on tour a lot. And then Soul Asylum started making the album Hurry Up and Wait, which that song you just played is from. Yeah. And then I got so busy that kind of got put on I understand. You, you 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 put did it in chunks in between your other work. Yeah, so it's not like we were working on it nonstop for four years. Yeah, yeah. But it ended up taking four years to make it because of the kind of the gap. I mean, it had, it had been almost done for a long time, and and when COVID hit, Solasan was on tour in support of that new album, and then we got sent home. Tour was done, and so I had a couple weeks where we were like just back home. We we're trying to figure out what we we're going to do, and uh, I had been. Ah, we could finish the album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like they had been waiting for that album to be turned in for a long time. So I'm like, well, you know, this is ridiculous. It's been four years. I'm like, here you go. There's the record. That's great. It's almost done. We just had to like do well, the, like, it. Well, you know, when it rains lemons, make lemonade. I, I'm very proud yeah. of you, Ryan and Pony. Thank you so much for being on the show. It means a lot to me. I want you to Thanks. keep on keeping on. I don't sound like you're moaning too much, you know. I know it's a bad sitch, but we try to get creative about it. Uh, yeah. When you get... Some new music, though. Will you please come on and let's talk? Yeah, yeah. totally. Okay, okay. People, it's been the October 7, 2020 Dish Watch Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. <laughs>